0: Welcome to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Sporting KC beat writer Sam McDowell joins us today to talk about the latest result, a draw with the Vancouver Whitecaps on Saturday night. We'll discuss the prospects of getting into the victory column, and we'll veer off and talk about some of the best high school athletes in Kansas City sports history. Sam, how you doing? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Blair. Yeah, look, uh, one to one to one Saturday night with Vancouver. I, I don't know. I, I, I it felt like a it felt like a loss to me, uh, but it was a draw. It doesn't go in the doesn't go in the standings as a as a loss. It goes in as a draw. But let's hear what Peter Vermees had to say about Saturday night's game. I feel good.
1: I feel actually really good. I think our team played excellent tonight. I don't I don't know what else we could do. We went down a man. We, we managed it incredibly well. We worked hard. We gave nothing away. We, we cleared everything. Um, the goal at the end is just a, is a, is, a, is a, it's a lucky break for them because they didn't deserve to get a point leaving here. But at the end, I love, I love the progression that we've made from the last three or four games. Every game we get better. So I'm, I'm very, very proud of the guys and their, and their work tonight. What do you think, uh, Beasley's return? Excellent. Him for he was,
0: he was uh, top man in the game. He was fantastic in all aspects. His his reading of the game, his his uh, closing in on guys, his covering the channel,
1: aerial duels, um, passing, just commanding, He was he was he was uh, he was top man today.
0: So Peter Vermees more encouraging than uh, than I was about the outcome. Is he wrong? Is is he just doing what a good coach manager has to do in this in this spot, or is there really something positive to take from this? I think probably a combination of
1: both. When when you look at the past maybe month or so, I think a theme is sort of emerging with this team, which is missed opportunity. And that's what I felt like Sunday was, or Saturday night was, because they played so well for the first 50 minutes of the match, Christian Namath gets ejected, then all of a sudden the match changes. And now you're just fighting fighting to hold on. And they didn't do it. And it was because it was the 94th minute, to me it felt like that gut punch is what I described it as. Um, And I do think you're seeing a more positive Peter Vermees over the past couple of weeks and my take on that is because maybe he's feeling that his team's not quite as confident as as it has been in years past. So he's got to be the leader in that sense, and I think that's why you heard what uh, what we just heard from Peter Vermees.
0: So he I, and I heard the. Uh, bef- I heard this after I, I heard his on field interview right after the game. And it was pretty much the same thing. He, he spun it. He had to be so bitterly disappointed because the. The, the drawing goal had just happened, right? Ninety fourth minute, and that microphone was in his face. Minutes later, you know, he had to be best just, time to get him, <laughs> right? but he had to be dying on the inside. But I'll give him credit. You got to craft a message, and he didn't have much time to craft a message. And I, I've seen this from other coaches, managers before, where there was a moment of, of you know just utter disappointment the way this the way this game ended, but. You, wanna, you don't want to bring it into the locker room. You know, it, and look, maybe at practice this week, the training, there'll they'll, they'll be a different message. But do, do you see value in, in him spinning it the way that he did?
1: Yeah, for sure. And I think you actually just brought up another really good point about the fact that it, something like that happens and it's so fresh. Peter Vermees actually has something that he does that's probably unique to a lot of other teams that we cover, which is he doesn't talk to the team in the locker room after the game because he wants to have time to really think about what just happened. He wants to go back and look at film before, for example, he criticizes a player. He wants to go back and see it and really analyze it and then have that conversation with the players at training. You know, and this week they, they skipped Monday training. It's, it's on Tuesday, so – um, that's when you'll maybe see his true colors and that'll stay inside the locker room. But I certainly think that there's a point to, to the attitude and approach he's, he's taken to the message he's getting out in the media because players say they don't read stuff. You know they read what, what Peter Vermees is saying.
0: All right, let right, let's dive into a couple specifics about the game. Was it a deserved red card? Yeah, absolutely. It's unfortunate
1: because it's an accidental play from Christian Namath. I don't really think he sees the guy. I think he's just sliding to jar the ball loose there, and his studs get get Felipe on on the ankle. Absolute red card. Peter Vermees had no issue with it. Christian Namath had a little bit of an issue with it, but you kind of saw his reaction on the field. I mean, he begs the referee not to give him the card before he even sees it, (laughs) so he knows it's a possibility.
0: All right, so Namath – uh, taketh away, but he also giveth. You know, he, it was a, yeah. it was a nice goal, a nice little hesitation move on, on on the goal, which had been a long time coming. I don't know what the the scoreless I think streak it was
1: 220, 223 minutes. I think. Oh, good lord, that, that's the strength of the team early on in the season.
0: Yes, this was the team that uh, uh, that was angry that they gave up the goal to Montreal to make it seven to one. Yeah, you know, to win right. it seven to one. Um, I, I, it was a nice goal. Set up that goal. How did uh, how did that one come about?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think two key plays in, in that. One is that Benny Felhaber springs Johnny Russell loose, who makes a great run down the right-hand side. And Benny Felhaber playing in his first home game since since they traded for him. I know you were out at the, the press conference last week talking to him. Um, I kind of wondered what maybe his role would be here. And I, I think you saw s- just some calmness to the midfield. And that was a specific play where I think a lot of guys would, would try and something happen immediately he sort of waited a split second then picked out that pass and waited on Russell to make the run and then you mentioned that the fact that Christian takes a touch there before he taps it in most instincts there you see a goal you see the goalie out of position you're just going to try and kick it immediately but the, the, just the calm touch is what sets it up we've seen him do that now three times this year to score a goal it was
0: a beautiful goal I really did I, I thought that hesitation and then the, the keeper just flies by you know yeah. creates the open net and uh, and it was just basically a ta- it, it could have been a tap in right. it, it, it was uh it was that open so so that gives sporting a lead for the first time since I think 2013 or something I mean it's been, <laughs> it, it just seemed like it's been forever since they've had the lead and um, uh, and so they take that into halftime had had a couple of opportunities that uh, could have been two or three nothing yeah. at halftime but they take the one nothing uh, lead into halftime and then the penalty the red card happens in the in the 51st minute so they're down a man and you said earlier they're they're hanging on for dear life but they did that for more than 30 minutes yeah. and part of that is because speaking of calm being restored Uh, Matt Beasler's back.
1: Yeah, I I thought that was the key to the match. That's the reason Sporting Kansas City looked different on Saturday than what we've seen for the past month or so is because Matt Beasler, you know, Benny Fellaber said he's like a midfielder back there. He's so good with the ball at his feet. Um, And specifically, the way he sets his teammates up to receive the ball in the exact right position is different than other guys that can play that position, other guys that have played that position when he's been out. uh, You know, their defense has been struggling. Part of it's be, I think because of the the midfield rotation, but certainly the back line hasn't been good. And when Beesler's back there, they're they're just a completely different team. And Vancouver had no chances in the first fifty minutes before they went up a man.
0: And look, he's uh, Beesler is he's such a pro, uh, such a pro. Yeah, I mean, a national team member, played in the World. Cup. I mean, Beesler is. Uh, um, I, I look. I think he'll go down as one of the all-time greats here. And, and uh, I
1: think he kind of gets overlooked in that sense. And uh, you know, I've I just sort of had a theory on it for a little while that maybe uh, when when he's a hometown kid and, and you knew him growing up, maybe you think, oh well. it's not as difficult to get to the pros as maybe I thought it was because I know somebody who's doing it but I I, I just think we sort of overlook I mean he played in a world cup and just the consistency he's had for seven eight years now I think is what really is going to define his career when he retired and it's funny when when you really recognize how good he is is when he's not playing, right? Because right. the past month we've seen how good he is because he's been out of the lineup and, and they can't survive with
0: him out. How many go- How many straight games had they given up at least two goals at home? Four straight games at home. Yeah, yeah I mean that's yeah. and so one to to Vancouver. He's on my. I don't know how list how short my list is, how deep it would go, but. Um, Kansas high professional athletes who had success in their sport who went to Kansas City area high schools. Okay, um, you know he went to Blue Valley West. So I, yeah. I'm I'm calling him the best soccer player for sure that the Kansas City high schools have produced. And the reason I thought about this was a couple of weeks ago when Albert Pujols was in Kansas City yeah, and sure. he hit a home run. And he's he just just went by two thousand career RBIs. One of three or four now to to do that. He's got to be the best baseball player. Yeah, you know, I actually saw him
1: play in high school. Yeah, for Ford Osage. Yeah, I saw him play in a wood bat tournament one time, and he hit two home runs in a in a wood bat <laughs> tournament. One of them a grand slam, and uh, it's kind of a funny story that the pitching coach came out when he's due up with the bases loaded, and I, I think the other team's up by one. And it's America, it's the American Legion wood bat tournament, and you can tell that the coach is telling him. I know the bases are loaded. Don't give this guy anything to hit. Gets <laughs> a 2-0 pitch. First two pitches are in the dirt. Third pitch is about two inches off the ground and he golfs it over the center field fence. And we're standing next to scouts. And of course, I'm I'm like 12 years old, maybe. I don't really understand what the, the scouts exactly mean, but you know, my dad's telling me later, you know, all the scouts are talking about, wow, let's, you know, let's take this guy in the first round or or something like that. So, I mean, it just you could tell, obviously. I don't think Beezer maybe had that wow factor on on a soccer field playing in front of probably two hundred parents. <laughs> no,
0: but uh, but no, but, but, but it clearly established after Notre Dame and and yeah. uh, you know winning you know honors there and um, so so we've got soccer and baseball covered. I think football may become you know with Drew Locke now going into yeah, the NFL. Yeah. Um, Darren Sproles to me would be uh, pretty close to the, if not at the top, the yeah. Olathe North guy, um, and then we can argue basketball. Until uh, the cows come home, there's there's a bunch of r- nice basketball players who went to Kansas City high schools, but I don't think one that just stands out among all yeah, the others. I think others. probably
1: one what could have been with with Jerron Rush. I think he was probably the guy that that should have put us on the map at, in Kansas City.
0: Yeah, I, I think the I may be wrong about this, and I'm I'm sure, I'm sure I am, but the the career leader in scoring who went to a Kansas City high school maybe. Maybe Anthony Peeler. Really? But I'm okay. not I'm not hundred percent on See, that. See if
1: I didn't if if I was asking that question, I would just go to your desk and ask ask you that question. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't
0: know it, nobody on our staff does. <laughs> I will look it up and come back uh, next week with with the with a response to that. Okay, so so the defense is obviously better. They're heading toward a shutout with with uh, with Beesler back there. But the but the game time goal somebody didn't mark their man. What what happened on that game time goal? That that just oh, I just cringed when I saw that.
1: Yeah, you know, I, I asked Peter Vermees about that because it's it's difficult to sort of dissect without knowing the specific assignments of every player on that. And again, it's what we talked about at the top of this podcast. He sort of just just brushed it under the rug and, and just said, you know, we played a really good match and we did this and this and this well. And so I'm not exactly sure whose assignment that was. I also thought they could have closed out the uh, the cross a little bit better than they did. And that's actually been an ongoing theme, regardless of who's in the lineup. I don't think they they close out crossing passes as well as they they perhaps could, and I think that's cost them a few of these goals. Or, um, you know, it's it's the same as uh, you know in basketball when when a guy's trying to get the ball to the post, you you want to make that pass hard, not just defend the guy who once he's got the ball. So um, that's been an issue for them ongoing. I, I think couple years now a little bit
0: that's why i felt the way i did after the game that's why i thought it was a, a real shoulder slumping type of game like yeah. if it had been a you know a gorgeous goal or a hard-earned goal you, you tip your hat and just say you know what but uh congratulations but I for him to be as open as he was where he was yeah. and it was his, cornelius right his first his first professional goal. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and you could, you could see it in the locker room. I, I mean, the the players, you know, they, they have a kind of a routine after a win and a routine after a loss. And this felt more like the routine after the loss. You know, the first person I talked to was Kellen Rowe, and he said you could see it on everybody's faces as soon as I walked in here that the way we took the, the result of this match. So you mentioned that you'd have felt like a loss. I think to the players it did as well.
0: Well, and that's – so that kind of circles back to uh, what Peter Vermees has to – you know, what he has to do, what his job is. Because he – I'm sure he felt that as well. Yeah. And his shoulders had to have slumped just then, you know, when that goal is. So now you've got to – you know, you got to spin a little differently. Um, and, I, I think
1: and maybe if you if, if had won the past three matches, they probably would be spinning a little bit differently. I, I just think that they felt like this is the match where the, the winless streak ends. Uh, you, you know, professional sports are, are, are kind of quirky in that way to where sometimes it just takes one win to, to flip the switch. And I think they felt like this was that match until that goal came.
0: Yeah. So, um, Seattle Sounders on Sunday at Sporting. It's the second of, I think, three straight at home for, yeah. for Sporting. Kind of a time to, to to get out of this thing. It's seven straight, winless. And MLS. MLS nine overall, you, yeah. yeah. Um I was just thinking may, may, Seattle may not be the team, but at uh, you know I think they, I don't know if they're at the top, but they're yeah they're second.
1: So I mean they've this is kind of a, a tough time for Sporting because they play a couple of home matches. They've got the Galaxy and Seattle, two really good teams. Then they don't play at home in June at all. So they've got four straight road matches in June. Then when they do come back home after that, they play LAFC who. Is on a record-setting pace points-wise in MLS, so you've got seven straight matches that are going to be really difficult tasks. Which is, I think, why what happened Saturday it sort of resonates even more.
0: What are the prospects? What uh, if you were to? You don't have to do it for a while, but if you were to project a score, what what would you, what would you go with?
1: I, I think. Maybe a 1-1 match sort of is, probably feels about right. You know, I think if Sporting Kansas City can get three, they're, they're going to feel absolutely great uh, going into this. Like I said, this six or seven-match stretch moving forward. But you've got to get three out of one of the next two, regardless of how difficult the opponent was. You can't go a three-match a three homestand and, and not get, you know, a victory out of it.
0: Right. All right, Sam McDowell, thanks for stopping by. I will come back next week with some better basketball, high school basketball <laughs> information. But uh, great stuff, Sam. Thanks a lot. Yeah, thanks for having me, Blair. Links to the stories we discussed can be found in the show notes and on kansascity.com. A big thanks to Kathy Lou and to Leah Becerra for producing today's episode. You've been listening to Sports Beat KC, a sports podcast presented by the Kansas City Star. I'm Blair Kirkhoff, and we'll talk sports again soon.